Hey, this is Eric Krasinski, host of the Preacher Voice podcast. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsas. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show. Leadership is changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people. But everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in a fast-moving world, and I have a guest here with me today. His name is Eric Skorsinski, and he's uh, he's always been known as a storyteller, and uh, he's spent about the last seven years fulfilling various media production roles as a videographer, a videographer, I should say, probably, a photographer, a writer, graphic designer, and now podcaster. He, uh, his work has taken to over 20 states and 13 different countries and has included a documentary film, an eight-episode miniseries, and several uh, commercials as well. He's also a creative producer of Build Your Network with Travis Chappell, a top 25 business podcast that has been featured in the Forbes and Entrepreneur. Eric is also deeply passionate about raising awareness about mental, physical, and sexual abuse within independent Baptist churches and is currently producing a documentary on the subject. His accompanying podcast, Preacher Boys, launched in January 2020 and has already accumulated, now get this listeners, 200,000 plus downloads already. Hey Eric, welcome to the show. Yeah, Dennis, thanks for having me on. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the show and love getting to uh, listen to your perspectives on leadership. It's always always exciting to listen to. So, Thank you. And Eric, whereabouts are you based? So I'm in Henderson, Nevada now. Um, I've always been on the West Coast, so I grew up in Southern California, but I've been here for the last uh, six months or so. Okay. And your name, Eric Skorzynski, where, where, where does that come, uh, originate from? It's Polish. So yeah, it's Polish. I don't know anybody from Poland. I, I feel like I'm two or three generations away. So unfortunately, yep. I don't know much about my heritage in that direction. But I know enough to know when people ask the common question, where's your name from? It's it's Polish. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. And fascinating work that you're doing, especially with the uh, you know the eight miniseries that you've done and the documentary, I should say, and then also your latest podcast. T- tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said, you know, it's, I'm, I'm something, I I guess I could be described as a storyteller and, and, you know, from the time I was a little kid, you know, six, seven years old, me and my friend would always make movies, quote unquote, with his dad's VHS camera. And so that was kind of my initial experience was as a, that was my playtime was, was making movies, making content. And 
you know, went from that to going to digital and tapes and little mini discs and now to DSLRs and things like that. And yeah, I just, the, the two parts of me that have always kind of come together is I have a, a big, desire to help people and a lot, and I'll get into that a little bit, but desire to help as many people as I can. And I also love storytelling. And so being able to apply, you know, my work into helping nonprofits or helping individuals have better lives or to tell stories that I'm passionate about, those two things have always meshed really, really well. So, mm. And I, I know that a lot of leaders today are very successful because they're being very good at storytelling. Um, and right. I think that's a lot about being able to connect with the audience uh, and, and take them on that, uh, So, which is really good to see. So here's a question. How or have you been in leadership roles and how did you get into leadership roles? Have you been exposed to leadership roles? Right. So when he sent the questions, and it's funny because like when he asked me to come on the podcast, I was, my initial thought was, well, I'm not really a leader. And um, when I told my wife that she was like, you, you have a podcast with like hundreds and thousands of people following and, and, and listening to direction and like kind of moving in a certain spot. And I was like, I guess technically I'm, I'm a leader, but you know, yeah, throughout my time, I mean, I've spent a lot of time on the solopreneur world, um, but I've definitely in the last two or three years have definitely moved into more team positions. And so I've gotten to work under people, over people, with people. And it's just, for me, I think it comes from what you said in the beginning of the show. It's, it's stories that inspire real change. And mm. so I think when you're passionate about telling a story and when you're vocal about a cause, there's going to be like-minded voices that kind of rally around you. And you're going to have people that want to work with you to help you get that cause out. You're going to find people as mentors who you can work under. And so leadership, I think, uh, when leadership fails is when people try to push themselves into a position versus allowing a position to come from what they're already passionate about or finding nice. someone who's passionate about it and is making progress. Awesome. That's that's awesome. Yeah, beautiful. And I think that, you know, it's quite interesting how you're saying about, uh, I, I don't see myself as a leader, but, you know, there's 200 something thousand people who downloaded your episodes. <laughs> right. and, and, and so you become, I think it's not the title, it's, 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 a, it's a, an influence. It's right. being able to influence people as well, which is really important. And I think, as you say, it's about that position and, and then allowing it to come out, which is really interesting. Here's a, an interesting question for you now. I'm, I'm sure you may have several. Who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be from, uh, could be alive or could be from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? So my answer is kind of non-traditional, but the person that comes to mind whenever I talk about influence or who shaped the way I think about just life and career and things is a filmmaker from Pittsburgh named George Romero. And it's perfect timing because it's Halloween season, but he directed um, Night of the Living Dead, which is like a you know, very famous film and was very progressive at its time because it had a black protagonist. And But what I love about George Romero is he was not a Hollywood filmmaker. He was a Pittsburgh filmmaker. And he made these movies out of his hometown with his friends and would create these incredible movies that became world-renowned for the messages they had, the stories that they told, I mean, a guy from Pittsburgh making a movie that a, a Stephen King watches and says it, you know, it scared him and made him feel like he was a bowl of jelly. <laughs> like, you know, that that kind of stuff's great. But even beyond just his like filmmaking prowess, mm. there's two things that I really appreciate. Is one, he always 
had his the things he was passionate about. So political views, social issues, they naturally flowed into his work. And, you know, when he made An Eye Living Dead with a black protagonist, people were like, oh, did you mean to tell this huge message and create this? And he said, no, he was the best actor of all of our friends. And I like the fact that he was he wasn't trying to be this faux progressive and push things forward. It was a natural outpouring of what he was already passionate about and cared about and the way he lived. And and the next part of that kind of ties in, but I really love that even though he had small budgets and not the resources of, say, a Spielberg or somebody, he had people that would always follow him from project to project because Mm -hmm. they believed in what he was doing. And so I always, I'm constantly thinking about Romero and that's, that's someone even in high school, like reading books about him and, and listening to interviews. It was amazing to me that somebody who didn't have the quote unquote leg up built this massive kind of movement of people just because he was a good person with a definite vision. Awesome. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, people following him from project to project more because of the fact that they believe in him and they believe in what he's doing, uh, I think is really cool. And I, I can relate to the story because, you know, this part of the world, uh, in New Zealand, we had a guy who used to do films and it was real budget and, and used to do it in the backyard or on the farm and bare feet and so forth. And then, hello, Peter Jackson, you know, Lord right. of the Rings. Yeah, it's massive, right? And so yeah. it's really interesting how... We, we also look at ourselves thinking, you know, you said before, from Pittsburgh and, you know, this guy and he's doing these films and then Stephen King says his comment, well, we think the same as well about Peter Jackson, you know, he's a guy. You know. Right. So it's amazing how for a lot of us we think that we're in a situation whereby can we actually get into that global stage? Mm-hmm. Can we actually go and do something bigger? Um, are we going to be worthy to do it bigger? Or right. for some people come that imposter syndrome too. But it's really interesting how people do go and do it but it comes down to the one thing I think you said, which is the passion, right? That's that passion right. and that excitement. If they can, if they can share that with others, I think that's great. Yeah, no, definitely. And and it can happen both ways too. I mean, I grew up in California, so I was poised yeah. to be this. You know, like it's kind of a joke. Like I'm a videographer from California, but you know, I had the opposite. And and we always let our location or some other excuse say we can't do something. You know, for me, it was well. There's already too many videographers. There's already too many podcasters. There's too many people that are successful in California. I'd have a better shot if I was in a Pittsburgh where there's nobody else doing what I'm doing. But yeah, it's important not to let that imposter syndrome creep in because it's always coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Hey, so in the world, we're seeing uh, a lot of change happening and um, this show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that comment or that statement, leadership is changing, what does that mean for you? Every time you say this on the show, I think of a different answer. But I, I for me, I just think everything's drastically changed. And I, I, think, I think just the way... And I think a lot of it is the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world. You know, there's, there's, we're changing our perspective from seeing, oh, the boss is coming this Friday to check out your performance to the bosses with you every day, like in the trenches with you leading the charge. And so while there definitely are those bosses that everybody dislikes who come in on one day out of the week from the golf course and make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do, I think that the leadership format that we're seeing people succeed in and people wanting to follow the leaders who are making impact like Elon Musk or a Gary Vaynerchuk, or even, you know, fill in the blank, even like people like Bill Gates or, or people who've mm. really had big impacts. It's people who are down on the ground 
moving the vision along themselves. They're visionaries who are being followed as opposed to someone who was promoted to a position from the bottom up or, you know, they got the job because they knew somebody in that realm and it's just an investment for them. You know, it's, it's the people who are invested with not just finances, but like actual life investment. Like those are the companies that I see really, really blowing up. And I I think that's what, people are looking for, you know, like I've, I've worked for both. I've worked for the people who say, Hey, thanks for everybody for hitting your bonuses this month. I got a special corporate gift and I'm going to go on a cruise for a week. Thank you all for your hard work. And, you know, and then I've worked for people who every little bit of resources that they get, they're dumping into their team to help build them up. And I'd always rather work for the latter, you know, Mm. than the, the former. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's actually really interesting to see that and how people react to it because I think you're right. I mean, when people are promoted into a title, it's a title. Yeah. But those who actually take people on the journey with them. And I, I like what you said before about the the boss in the trenches with you. It's, right. it's almost like uh, when you say life investment, it's almost like they've got skin in the game. They're there <laughs> with you. They're in there. Yeah. They're going to fight with you. They just don't. Say, oh, there you are. Where you go? Good luck. Bye. And see right. you in four months' time. It's just it's a little bit different. So yeah, right. Hey, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go, go on. On. No. I was just gonna say, yeah. It's it's disappointing when you when you feel like the only time you see your leader is when you're doing something wrong. <laughs> when right. it's go see the boss. Like I, I partner with you know Travis Chapel on on his show, and it's exciting to go see him because we're gonna work on something that's gonna build what we're working on. It's not, hey, come over, and then I'm instantly thinking, what did I mess up? <laughs> you know, like that's a totally different context to be thinking in. So Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think you then have more confidence as well, which means you will bring more to the table and you will bring more to your gain um, because there's a totally different confidence. Right. Exactly. Mm. Hey, um, how has your business or industry changed and what if you know what demand does that put on you? So my business has changed a lot. And I think my my bio that you read kind of shows that. Like it, it's been a lot of different forms of media and they've all been natural progressions. I think it can look like I've got some, you know, ADD or something. And I'm jumping from thing to thing <laughs> to thing. But it's been natural progressions as I as I've grown and, you know, media has become, you know, video has been more popular at time, photography. So I've kind of shifted my skills for clients and things. So the mediums changed a lot, but I, I think that's where I would give my big piece of advice is like, don't focus on necessarily the, the mode with which you express all the creative talents and what you want to share. Because if I did that, I'd still be holding a VHS camera and like trying to make home videos. You know, there's, the thing has changed a lot for me. It's gone I used to think I wanted to be a filmmaker that created two and a half hour crazy fiction drama, you know, films. And as I started growing and learning, it switched to documentaries. And as I kept doing that, you know, I never, I never in high school or I never in kindergarten where they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Said, I want to be a podcaster. Mm. But the last six or seven years has led me to a spot where podcasting is the best route with which to do what I want to do. And that's tell stories. And so, again, there's people who get so stuck on, I am a videographer. I am a this. And I just got to the point where it was easy for me to say, I'm a storyteller. And whatever canvas I can use to tell that story, whether it's fiction or or reality, I'm going to use it. So 
I think the industry's changed the same way everything has. It it grows and develops over time, and it's you have to be able to adapt to whatever that change is. So, team, whatever your message is, uh, whatever you're wanting to do in life, uh, Eric's sharing here with us um, some of his insights, and it's, it's it's obvious to what he's talking about in the sense that we may use different platforms, or as he says different canvases to tell your stories, but at least that once you know what they are, move with them and change with them as you need to throughout time. And Eric, I'm seeing, because um, I, I get to work with a lot of leaders, and I, I think this is something that I'm starting to find that I probably need to pursue a little bit more as well myself, is that they're asking me more about how do they promote or grow their digital mm. footprint and right. um, their brand in the digital world. And so I think that's that's really exciting to see uh, going forward as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to see how you've adapted and you've, you know, there's that word that's come out a lot, maybe <laughs> pivot, but right. you've adapted a lot, right, which is which has been good. And, and being willing to adapt, is, I mean, have you come up against anything that sort of like sort of stopped you or thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that kind of thing and try that different thing? Yeah, I mean, there's always hesitation. Um, you know, for me, like I said, for a long time, it was solely I want to be a, a filmmaker. And that's because all my heroes growing up were filmmakers. But it really, for me, has just gotten to a point where it's almost the other extreme where, like, for me, I just try to be really careful not to hold on to the mm-hmm. existing, or if I'm going to try something new, hold on to the existing. Do try out the new and see if it's something that's going to work. But yeah, for me, my busy, my biggest hesitancy was honestly the podcast, uh, which is funny because as far as reach and impact, the podcast has been the most successful thing that I've done as far as actual, you know, success with it. And and you know, I've gotten to do a lot of really cool things. But as far as my my specific voice and not me creating someone else's content, but my voice getting out, it's been the one thing that I was most hesitant about. And yeah, and I don't know why I was hesitant. I think I just, I think it, again, it's that imposter syndrome, which I, I don't really ever feel uh, up until I was getting ready to do the podcast. I really felt this sense of like, why are they going to listen to me in addition to the Travis Chapels of the world, the Gary Vaynerchuks of the world, you know, fill in the blank. And, you know, it's very... I, that's why you just have to do it. You just have to go and do it, which it sounds like the most cliche motivational advice ever, yep. but you have to do it. Like you, if you're passionate about a cause and it's something that you find yourself talking about constantly every, and that's what happened with my podcast. I'm sitting there at every party I'm at, every group gathering I'm at, and I would start talking about this topic. And then when it came to doing the podcast, I just did the same thing. And just like a party or just like a friend group, the people who care about it come to you and find you. You don't have to go find them, which is what I think we usually try to do is, here I am, you know, listen to me. Instead of saying, here's my message, and they find you through the message. It's a totally different way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where leaders who are very successful as well, that's what they do. And whether it's a large corporate whether it's an entrepreneur, a, you know, business owner or a smaller organization, it doesn't matter. It's just the message. And it's the way that you actually deliver that message, I think, is probably really important too. Would you would you agree? Yeah, it, it's definitely important. I think I, I and that's where that's where I used to bristle against that too, is as a creative, I like things to be polished and look really cool. And and I think that's important. And I think, you know, if your podcast is well produced, it's gonna retain more listeners. But also the story trumps everything. And so 
the message mm. is most important. And that's where I see a lot of corporate entities that try to get into things that are trending like podcasts. They're so lifeless. They're very well produced. They've got great production value. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing, but their shows don't take off and you don't, you don't talk about those shows. But then we, we sit and look at a Joe Rogan topping the charts every single week and he's sitting literally in his basement with another person, like cheap black curtains in the background and a good mic setup, but that's about it. And he's number one. And I think it's because he has conversations that are actually interesting and he's covering things that people are actually talking about. Love him or hate him, he knows how to be relevant without trying what corporate people try to do, which is let's be relevant. We're, we're your friend. We've got this hip trending person on the show. That doesn't work if you don't have a foundation for it with, with your story. Yep. Beautiful. How to be relevant. So listeners, that's been a key for a lot of us is how can you be relevant for an audience to have your voice heard? And, um, oh, I really like, I really like what you shared there, Eric. I think that's really, really important. Hey, if there was one thing that you could change in business as a leader and entrepreneur today, what would that one thing be? So I thought about this because there's, uh, again, like I said, I try not to hang on to things that aren't working. So for for my own business, I feel like it's just now in a place where I feel like there's not a ton I want to change. I, I want to improve certain things. But if I have to step into like my coach consultant role with people where I talk to people about how to grow their business or their impact... I think people really need to capture the power of telling stories that matter to other people and, mm-hmm. and telling, especially when it comes to branding. And I'll, I'll give an example of this. So I worked for two years running marketing for an auto group in Southern California, and we had uh, two Ford stores, a Hyundai, a Chevy, and a Toyota, and then about six or seven service centers. It was a, it was a very large, it was this next to the hospital. It was like the largest employer in Riverside County where we were at. And there were, I think there were about 700 or 800 employees. Mm. Um, so, so really big place. And it was very hard. One, it was very hard to get them to try new things with their branding at all. They were very adverse to a lot of change, but also the thing that really frustrated me was I would be creating promotional campaigns and I would be making them as customer focused as possible. So I would be saying, you have a car you hate driving, you know, you have a car that you're tied to, your payments are way too high, your service bills are are stacking up, you know, trade in your car. And dealerships for whatever reason, I don't know how it is in New Zealand. I don't know if dealerships act the same way, but dealerships can very often say, help us meet our goal of selling this many cars or, Hey, we're the number one, we're the number one volume dealership. And we're, you know, they throw out all these things about their achievements, but I'm sitting there thinking if I'm a customer watching, I don't care if you meet your sales quota at the end of the month. I don't care how many cars you sold. I don't care if you're number 10 dealership. I care about getting a low payment or no payment or no money down or someone has bad credit, you know, and but it was always this fight. It was, um, there were two dealerships just right near us who did this thing where two dealerships were having a competition to see who could sell the most cars. And so that was their mm. branding for like two months was, well, help us, we're going to try to win. And they did like a football theme and spent tons of money on it. And I was just like, who cares? Who's making the second biggest investment of your life based on helping some sales manager hit his quota that month. 
And so I guess if I could change the one thing I see in businesses a lot and I see leaders do a lot is setting things that excite the people around them and not something that's just benefiting them. Because if you're just doing something that's going to benefit you, it's never going to take off. It's never going to be something that leaves a lasting impact with people. Mm. I I like that because I think a lot of people, they don't care, even if I take it to like a leadership, so take your analogy and put it into a leadership side, they don't care about the leader until they know the leader cares about them. Right. Yeah, that's that's important. Yeah, and when when people understand the leader cares about them, they'll go the extra mile. They'll go and do extra things for you. And you're right. I mean, I... I, I don't really care whether they're going to be the best dealer. I just want a car that works. Right. I yeah, want to make sure I can go from A to B and it's going to be no problem. Right. And, and that's where I look at the difference. And I, I know I mentioned Travis earlier, but like it's kind of a night and day difference. So like I used to work for some people where, like I said, we'd have the team and they'd be like, oh, corporate's sending me on a cruise because we hit our sales numbers. And I'm sitting there going like, so how does that benefit me? There's no trickle of that. And when I look at, and so, well, again, I'm not mad at them for getting to go on a cruise. I'm more excited now. Like when it, Travis tells me, so I, for those listening, like I produce a show when he tells me, Hey, I get to go meet with this person, or I just had this big milestone, even though it doesn't always necessarily financially impact me or, you know, fill in the blank. My mm-hmm. excitement comes from, he's shown me through other various avenues and he has always carried me with him or, or, you know, done things to show his appreciation. And he's shown that it's a true relationship where we are helping each other. And so it's not a weird thing where I feel uncomfortable referring somebody to him, even if there's no affiliate fee or commission or whatever, I'll send them to him because I care about his success. And it takes a certain kind of leader to create that kind of care. And, and same with me, there's there's other people in the space that I'm in and podcasting who I know in the beginning were who is this new guy that's jumping into this advocacy thing and and his shows blowing up and all this stuff but now I have those same people who are like hesitant sending interviews that they could have done to me because they think it's a better fit for my show or sending things and I think it's just how you position yourself. Yeah. You make it about other people and it's going to come back to you. Like that's, again, it's cliche, but good things that you do, do come back. I, I believe that. Yeah, I agree. I think, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, it's really interesting. And I, I think the, where you say create the the care, people want you, you know, want you to succeed. But, you know, the, the example you're given with Travis, it's he's showing you that, it, you know, what he's doing, but he's also taking you on the journey. And I think right. that's the key right and it's a relationship whereby it's to actually help both of you but he he's taking on the journey and um right. which is exciting and you know you're right i mean you, you you're wanting to to help the guy you're wanting to help that and so being around those kind of leaders is really 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 interesting and, and the next question i've got you may have actually just sort of touched a bit on it as well i think and that is how employee expectations of leaders changed because you know you know people and i know people when they are employees they're working for somebody else and you've got people working for you i've got people working for me so has employees expectations of leaders changed yeah i mean i, mean, I think i covered that a little bit when i said you know the boss being in the trenches with them but I, yeah. i'd also just take it a step further and say the ways that I expect leaders to act when I'm under them. And the way that I want to be when I'm leading people beneath me mm-hmm. is I, I I don't like when there's a cap on growth. So there's the the two rules that I've always had 
I mean, at least since I've been married, because I've been saying it to my wife every time I make a big decision, is my two requirements for any stage of life are, am I in a position where I can continue to learn? And am I in a position where I can help the the most people that I can in the position of life that I'm in? And so every time we made a decision about moving, about taking a job, about you know starting a business, has always been is it going to cap my ability to learn? Is it going to cap my ability to help people? And so I guess what I would say for leadership and what I expect of leadership is to give the tools to the people working under them or beside them to surpass them. And a lot of leaders are afraid of doing that. They're afraid of giving their employee the resource that will make them a better CEO than they already are. Or they're worried to give their best. I, I see it all the time. I'm I'm worried to give my person too much freedom because then they're going to go start their own business, you know. And at the end of the day, those people are going to leave anyway. The, the, they're going yeah. to leave. But the difference is the relationship's not going to be there. You know, I've had people who I've worked with at low, like lower level jobs, who gave me always the tools. Be better than me. I want you to be better than I ever was. I want you to build a company that's better than I ever built. And they give you the tools to surpass them. But here's the deal. I went back uh, I went back to one of the first places I interned and I made barely anything. I worked a lot of I put in a lot of hours and got a ton of experience out of it. But I went and grabbed coffee with that boss 3 4 years later now and have a relationship and now we're looking at partnering on some things again. And it's one of those things where if he hadn't given me the ability to really stretch my wings and like fly a little bit and try to grow and do things my own, I would, I'd look back and I wouldn't necessarily be angry with them, but I wouldn't have a desire to keep that connection open because I feel that there's an, there's a sense of jealousy there. And again, that's where I, that's where I really appreciate my relationship with Travis is that when I first started working with Travis, I was doing marketing part-time. I was just doing some cover photos. And then now it's gotten to a point where we're, pretty much partners on a lot of things that we're doing. So it's become this situation. And I have some things getting ready to happen on the show that I can't talk about just yet, but I've got, I've got a huge A-list guest that's going to be doing an interview with me very soon. Like someone that, you know, I was kind of excited. I was like, this is somebody like Travis hasn't even gotten yet. This is good. So this is someone really high up there. (laughs) And, uh, And, but it's cool because like when I told him, he wasn't like, oh, so now your podcast is going to be this and you're going to get this, you know what I mean? Like it's a very synergistic kind of relationship. And I think that's the expectation is pour into your employees, pour into your team, and then they'll pour into you. Excellent. Pour into your team, pour into your employees, and they'll pour into you as well. I, I I love that. And I love the fact that you said about giving the resources, the tools, to be able to, and they may even surpass you. I think right. that's that's the role of a leader. That's our success story. When we see people doing really well because of you know what we've enabled them or we've allowed them or you know we're the multiplier, not the diminisher, and that's the big difference. And if we can do that, it's amazing what can actually happen for sure. Eric, um, what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? Um, I know we said the word pivot, but I think that's really the key. Um, I think it's being willing to change and not be sporadic with your messaging. 
I think that's a big key to failure is to be changing what you believe and say every other day. Um, But I think how you express that and the, the mode with which you do it, you know, one thing that I I just learned the term this year, but I've heard people say sunk cost fallacy. So if you, the sunk cost fallacy is if I invest a certain amount of time or a certain amount of resources, it means that I have to keep doing this thing. So if I've spent, I've spent a hundred thousand dollars and, you know, I've spent, and people do this with degrees, I've spent several hundred thousand dollars in my, to getting my diploma. And now I'm working a job I hate as a lawyer or as a doctor. And the sunk cost fallacy would tell you, I need to keep pursuing that because I've already put so much into it. And I think what you have to do if you're going to be successful, and it hurts, and that's why people Mm. don't do it, is you have to be willing to cut off the things that are not fueling your success. And, And it is. It's really hard. It's hard when you're you know, building a business and you're pouring money into it and you believed in it and you were excited about it. But the the market doesn't like it. You have to make right. a decision right then and there. Are you going to do something that's going to help you fuel this like like this pride that you had that oh I didn't quit on this, or are you going to be willing to pivot and do something else? And um, I mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk before, but he's somebody who's been very unafraid to say oh, I, I had a huge YouTube audience. And he could have been like, I'm just the YouTube guy forever. I do wine library TV and I do YouTube. But now like this guy's getting onto platforms like TikTok and he's creating other content. And a guy who built himself on long form content is now doing short form content. And who knows what of those things he enjoys the most, but he's doing the ones that he knows are going to help fuel his business. I don't, I don't, he might like it, but I don't know that he like loves TikTok. I don't know that like he's like, oh, that's my favorite platform, but he's using it every single day because that's yeah. what's drawing attention. And um, and that's how I've I've looked at stuff as well. And just one other phrase, I, I like little quotes that help me understand this stuff, but it's uh one one thing I love is a literary term, and it's uh it's the phrase kill your do- kill your darlings. And it's it's kill the things in your book that you love that don't move the story forward. And I guess that's kind of in life. You have to you have to kill the things that aren't moving you forward. And mm-hmm. it's like I said, it hurts. It really hurts. And I've I'm 25, and I've had I've so I've only had two or three of these ma- major pivots, but each one hurt really bad. And I was like, I don't want to do a bunch more of these by the time I'm like 50 or 60 because these are really bad. <laughs> like, but you you have to do it. And the sooner you can do it, the less it's going to hurt. You know, if Thanks, you're Nick. if you're two years into college and you realize this is not the career you want, stop now. <laughs> Don't be the forty year old doctor that hates that he's a doctor. Yep, yep, absolutely. And I think um, when you're talking through that analogy, all I could think about was the band aid on, and mm. do I slowly take it off or do I rip it off? Um, yeah. So it's that that is absolutely. And I think the other thing that I'm hearing what you're saying is. Because uh, I know you're saying you're 25, and uh, but even in your 50s, it still happens. Um, yeah. So, um, right. so what? So it's interesting. But I think the the important thing is with Gary V, as you say, or others, it's about consistency. Mm. And if yeah. you can be consistent in whatever you're doing, then that's going to help you uh, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, whatever you're doing, be consistent. Now, right. that consistency always goes back to also goes back to what you just said about being able to pivot quickly. 
If you yeah. can do that on a consistent basis and pull the Band-Aid or do the, the decision and move quicker, it's going to really help for you. Yeah, it's consistent messaging with different modes of communicating it, you know? Yeah, and, beautiful. And that's where Evan Carmichael is a YouTuber. He said, your, your message is the same. You're just learning how to say it in five minutes, 50 minutes, a five-hour course, a five-day event. You're you're just learning how to expand and contract that message. That's all you're mm-hmm. learning to do, and that takes a lot of pivoting. It does. It does indeed. All right, this next question is going to be your future stuff, getting your crystal ball out and start thinking about the future here, and that is where do you see leadership being in five years? For, for leadership in general, um, I think that we're going to see smaller teams, and I think COVID's mm-hmm. kind of advancing that. I think we're going to see – Closer knit teams that are, you know, smaller doing more tasks and projects. But I think we're going to see bigger movements. Um, I think we're going to see, and I think we're seeing that with a lot of advocacy stuff right now. You know, I won't get into all the specific groups because I know there's a lot of politically charged ideas about that. But I think what we're seeing is it doesn't take a 200 person team to have a global impact. You can be one, two, three people and have way more impact than a major broadcasting network. And so I think we're going to see smaller teams where people are doing more more work each. So I think you're going to see people that are doing like oh I I record the podcast and I, you know, write these posts and I do this and another person's going to do sales and, you know, a different direction. So I, I think you're going to see smaller compact teams that are leading much bigger movements because the ability to reach out is a lot larger. You know, I would not be able to get on a stage tomorrow in a big stadium and have 20,000 people come to hear me speak. Just, mm-hmm. just financially, I couldn't go rent out a stadium. But every month, I have 20,000 people tune into my show and listen to what I have to say. And I'm one person. It's almost terrifying. Like it's holding the sword. Like oh, I have a lot of power right now. Like there's something here where I can do something. But I think that's what's going to keep happening. I think we're going to see companies realize you don't need to have this massive organization. Yep. You can really trim it down. Really get on point with your messaging, and then make a big difference. And for me, that's kind of where my personal next five years is. Is I'm already having some meetings with people that I want to bring on to my own team um, in a formal way and start growing into an organization. But the cool thing is, like, I'm looking at two people right now. It'll probably be those same two people in 10 years. And and we'll be able to keep scaling and scaling and scaling without having to stress about buying a building or investing in to a large infrastructure. We can do a lot with just two or three of us. It's amazing, isn't it? And it's amazing what you can do just with two or three people, small costs, small outlay. Um, You know, I I think the other thing too is that I think a lot of large companies will be looking at probably more of an associate model. So they'll bring Mm -hmm. people in and out as depending on project basis. And I think that's what you're saying as well. But I think the other thing too is imagine owning commercial buildings and commercial office space and all that at the moment. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think people still want to go into offices and yeah. people still want to do that, but it's going to change a little bit for people around that space for sure. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to be the person to say I would never buy a cool high rise office. Sure. If I had the opportunity, I might buy a cool high rise office because it's, it's, it, there is some of that where it's neat to have your name on a building and, and things like that. But I also, I just think we've pivoted to where 
that's that used to be people's goal is to like I get my brick and mortar business yep. up. And now it's one of those things where like I'm sitting here going like I hope I don't have any of those expenses for a very long time. And you know again, look at us on this podcast. This is costing us zero dollars to have this conversation and put it out into the world. Yeah, yep. you pay editors or you pay for your microphone or things like that. But if we if we wanted to do this 10 years ago and get heard on the radio, the amount of money and time and connections we'd have to have would be insane. <laughs> and so yep. I just don't want to limit myself to like why build gatekeepers around yourself? You know, why not use all of these free tools or like very low cost tools to get your your message out? Yeah. Yeah, cool. And I think you're right. I mean, if you can use those tools, that's good. Right. The the thing that really freaked me out the other day, Eric, was I was talking to some people and I mentioned this podcast and they went, what? what? What's a podcast? I went, wow, people still <laughs> right. don't know what podcasts yeah, are. It's so young. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so I think there's got that that whole more growth to come and then also maturity as well, which is just fantastic to see. Right. So. Hey, Eric. Hey, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? Um, yeah, the best place to find information about my podcast would be uh, Preacher Boys. That's preacherboysdoc.com. Uh, so it's preacherboysdoc.com. Um, you can find all, all like all my podcast episodes, my bios on there, um, and all my social feeds. And then I'll also send over, I have my personal handle, which is at eSkorzynski. I haven't figured out a good abbreviation yet, but I'll, I'll send that over so I can go in the show notes. But that's that's the best place to find me. I'm, I'm super active on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter for both my actual project and myself. So I'm pretty easy to connect with. Awesome. So. Eric, hey, it's a real pleasure having you on the show today. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Cool. Hey, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, listeners, look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your network and your friends and family. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show, or if there's a question you'd like me to ask my guests as I interview them, or if there's a question you want to ask me on the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode that happens once a week, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Just a reminder, listeners, that the Facebook group, Leadership is Changing, is now available for you to go ahead and join that community. It's great having you on the show with us today. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.